The Medical Alley podcast is brought to you by MentorMate. Custom software needs vary significantly, whether you're powering a medical device, overhauling your backend architecture, or reimagining your patient experience, MentorMate can help. Harnessing the technical excellence of Bulgaria, MentorMate provides end-to-end software services in all sectors of healthcare. With deep expertise in design, development, cloud, and software support, MentorMate helps healthcare clients administer world-class care through technology. Learn more at MentorMate.com. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everyone out there in Medical Alley. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Medical Alley podcast. My name is Frank Chiskalki, your VP of Intelligence, and I'm so pleased today to be joined by Michael Brombach, who is the CEO of SupDoc. Michael, thanks for being on today. How are you today? Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. It's a, it's a good time to be in digital health, so appreciate you having us on. Yeah, it's been a heck of a year, hasn't it? Absolutely. Maybe the place we could start is, could you introduce the listeners to a little bit about uh, what SupDoc is and kind of how you got started on this entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the founder CEO of SupDoc. SupDoc is an AI-powered health platform for both direct primary care and behavioral health. And we decided to build it because before I started SupDoc, I was a I was an executive in Accenture's health strategy practice. And so I worked across a wide variety of health systems, accountable care organizations, payers, and other groups just focused on what the future of healthcare looks like and what futuristic care models could be. And there was a really apparent gap in the market for a model that didn't necessarily just organize better convenient care. There's a lot of digital solutions out there that are focused on convenience, but also building something that can have a better care experience for the physicians, more efficient care delivery, and really aligning incentives across the care ecosystem because you need it to be working for both patients, providers, and then from a payment mechanism as you move to value-based care. We really focused on three things to do this. First off, our AI intake only collected the medically relevant information from patients. So it was easier for them to go through the system and sign up uh, second, on the clinician side, the platform packaged up all of that patient information so the doctor had everything they needed right in front of them to make a medical decision. Um, and they were able to do this without the need for a long set of visits or a traditional visit. Um, and finally, the third thing that we did is we facilitated an ongoing relationship between the patient and their care team so that the patient received consistent integrated care instead of just one-off interactions, which is what you get with some of these other groups out there. And so building something that checked all those boxes was was something that we were really interested in. And I want to come back to that, the kind of the checked in all the boxes part, but first you mentioned you spent a number of years at Accenture and working with many of the, the large established healthcare organizations. Can you give us a sense of what was it like being in the consulting world and working on these futuristic healthcare models? We generally hear uh, that large health systems might be slow to change or it's hard to change in some of these big, big areas. You were kind of on the front line of that. What was that experience like? Yeah, it's, it's a great question because I was in the strategy practice, which gives you really good visibility to boards and executive teams that were looking 
at what care looks like for the next five years and 10 years. So really having a front row seat of not just hearing how people are talking about it, but also crafting those strategic visions was very useful um, because I was able to see how different players in the healthcare ecosystem were thinking about this everywhere from payers to providers to pharma. And so it really informed where I saw healthcare going. And so it's a really broad, it's a really good broad-based experience across all of these. The problem though, and why I left consulting was there's only so much you can do working in an advisory capacity with some of these systems. And so a lot of these systems wanted to change they saw what needed to happen and they saw where the market was going, but it's very different between putting together a strategy and a plan and having these health systems execute upon that plan. And so just doing the strategy and executing it was one thing, but really needing a, a different way of looking at it outside the health system was necessary. And that it seems like that plays into the, your comment of the building the broader than just convenient for the end consumer or the patient. He expand on that a little bit more. What does it mean that it needed to be more than just convenient for the patient? So I look at how healthcare has evolved over the last 10 years. A big focus was making patient experience the center of care. And so the way that typically presented itself was, you know, 10 years ago, Minute Clinic and CVS started to have more convenient care. And convenience was really defined as, you know, better hours, more locations, easier access to your physician. And then that transformed with telemedicine and digital health, where convenience was more defined as, you know, you're in your house, you don't have to leave. And so you look at convenience as how care is delivered what those models typically missed was there's a different way that care should be delivered. And so if you look at convenience, which is putting a video visit on top of a traditional care experience, that's not innovation from a care practice side. If you look at how digital health needs to evolve, it's taking all those digital tools, the right data, and providing a better, more holistic care you know, delivery system on the back end. That can be more convenient on the front end, but you need to be providing care in a different sort of way. Uh, this seems like the sort of thing we've we've seen in a lot of areas where tech has come into something new or advanced technology. We, we start by taking what we're doing in the so-called non-tech world or the prior world mm-hmm. and then just layer it on instead of creating something from the ground up or new, given the capabilities we now have. And it, it sounds like that was the direction you were going, building from the ground up, given the new capabilities. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. The way I describe it a lot of times is the, the analogy of paving the cow path. And so if you think of when roads and highways were built back in the day, they would just pave over where the cows would go and the cows would go on really ram rambling, you know, pathways. It wasn't direct. And so then coming in and building, you know, a super highway that was direct from point A to point B, that was, you know, a more efficient way of doing that. And I think that's been applied to healthcare where you put digital tools on top of a care experience and a care delivery model that doesn't necessarily work for everybody. And you have to redesign what that direct efficient care model looks like and then build a system around that. And so we spent a lot of time focusing on the care model focusing on how AI could make physicians, you know, make physicians time more efficient and how they're actually able to better inform care outcomes just based on the information you're bringing in. 
Ah, could you expand a bit on that? So what the front end piece, I think for most of us now that, you know, telemedicine is semi ubiquitous, we're understanding that you talked a bit more about that, like that physician side or the system side, you know, what does convenience mean for them uh, compared to what it might mean for the patient on the other end of it? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So the way we approached this was, you know, at the end of the day, SUPDOC was an end-to-end care delivery platform. And so we enabled care across different, you know, types of specialties. And where we started was on the primary care side. And what we did really differently was we took in discrete pieces of patient data. We allowed patients to, you know, sign up, create a profile. But then also we asked really tailored questions through our AI-powered you know, front-end chatbot. And so what happened was it's less questions for the patient, but we're also getting the right data and the right questions and answers from, for the physician. And so the physician is able to have all the right data in front of them. They're able to see the right information, and then they can prescribe and diagnose and treat without the need for a whole visit or a whole bunch of different encounters. And so you can take some of these visits that should be 20 or 30 minutes and collapse them into two to three minutes. And so using that really efficient care model, we were able to do that for more complex parts of primary care. We were able to do that for behavioral health. We were able to bring in care models that were both asynchronous and synchronous because at the end of the day, it's not just one-off care. You need holistic care journeys if you're going to actually enable better care experiences and better outcomes. Oh, it's fascinating. And and you had started, you and the team had started... Um... A little bit before the pandemic, you talk about when you got started, let the listeners know that. And then as the business was getting going, what happened, you know, call it like March, April, 2020. And how did that affect your guys' trajectory? Yeah. So the idea and the product spec started in 2019, but we really got going with a full team and funding in 2020. And so we were well along our way for what the product should look like. When COVID struck, really what it did is it accelerated the industry. And so telemedicine was adopting slowly in bits and pieces. And really overnight, you saw a huge amount of focus, a huge amount of funding, and a huge number of point solution products just enter the market. And so it was challenging from a startup perspective where you've got a solution that would have been you know, right for the market in five years, the market was going to head to this solution, this way of providing care. What happened so quickly and where was the challenge is now you have all these different players, you have all these different point solutions, you have all these health systems turn on product offerings, which again, you know, met the need of digital health and COVID, but they were just video visits the same way they've always been providing care. And now the market is really noisy and really confused as to where digital health can actually go. And so it really increased awareness for digital health. But again, there it added a lot of noise to the ecosystem, which was challenging as a new company. Yeah. So how, how did you guys end up kind of breaking through that noise or what was maybe the last year was more of a challenge than you would have hoped? So what the good part that came out of it was it really COVID rationalized digital health. And so enough groups were able to really experiment for the first time with some form of digital health that they could see, well, you know, this actually does work. People will use it. People will like it. Physicians will like it, even simple things. And so it rationalized the ability to have these sort of tools at scale in a health system and a payer. 
And so then now what people start to think about is, okay, now we know that it works in concept. And again, people like me, people like you, Frank, have been pushing this for years and saying, of course it works, but there still wasn't broad-based acceptance that these sort of things would be useful and impactful and helpful. And so now that acceptance exists. And so now the real innovators, and I'd like to count ourselves among them, but the real innovators can say, hey, look, now there's better ways of using these tools. Now you can add in AI and remote monitoring and risk stratification and different types of care journeys, because now you know what works for the simple things. Now let's do it from a complex, holistic perspective to really tackle the bigger challenges of healthcare. And so that's really where we see it going is it's rationalized again that these tools will work in the simple side. And now we can do the really complicated, innovative things that need to happen. And so that's really how it's how it's transformed. Oh, oh, it's fascinating. And then what about being an entrepreneur in this environment? You know, I suppose given the timing that you started, this was the environment you were in for pretty much the whole time of it. But what was that experience like, you know, building a team, working with a team, getting customers um, when probably a lot of it was, as we're doing now, talking on a a video call? It, uh, It made it very challenging because we were raising our seed round the same time that COVID was hitting and crashing the market. And so... It's, it's very challenging when people are running scared, when there's a lot of uncertainty to say, you know, this is the right area to invest in. This is the right area to focus on. So getting top tier talent to switch jobs and join us in a risky space, it made it very you know, different and interesting. And so really what we were doing is we focused on not just entering the fray from a consumer perspective, because that would have been a lot of money. That would have been a lot of distraction. And so we spent more of our time and focus on building the product that actually can meet not the needs right now in COVID, but also the next 10 years of healthcare. And I think that's really what we did differently that helped from a kind of scaling perspective. Because if we spent all of our time and focus on sales and marketing off the bat, we would never have built a product that would have actually been useful to these health systems and payers for the long term. Maybe talk a bit about that as you built the marketing side of it, as you got maybe later in the year, what was that positioning you took or how did you find that space? Um, and I guess who ended up being the the customers for SupDoc? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So our customers really focused on, you know, we moved from one-off point solution care to more platform deals. So working with larger health systems for different projects, working with bigger payers for bigger projects, we were able to skip that step of a lot of times people go to the small market, small employers, go direct to consumer. And there's a lot of different business models that have worked for different groups and telemedicine and digital health. But we were able to skip a lot of that and go from a platform perspective to some of these bigger groups. And a lot of that was, you know, from my experience before, a lot of it was just, we built a product that they could use and that worked in a bunch of different ways. And so that's really how we were able to kind of jumpstart our, our growth and our our trajectory. I have to imagine your consulting background helped in that end of knowing what the companies look for, how they think about those sorts of initiatives. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because we've been, you know, and I've been working with these big groups to design strategies for, you know, the future of care model and things like that. And when I was doing those projects, there was no real platform that enabled these solutions. And so I tried to get a lot of health systems and payers to invest and build these things. 
But at the end of the day, you know, bigger payers and bigger health systems, they have a very good set of skills, but it doesn't necessarily apply to building an innovative network or an innovative platform. And so it's a lot easier and more useful to partner in that space with groups that are able to run quickly and build these things themselves. And so I saw that opportunity as, you know, if we built this, we can go and partner with these same groups that were struggling in this space and do it faster and you know cheaper for them this way. Uh, it's like it's the real benefit of true partnership, each bringing their own set of skills to the table and both gaining as a result. And it, it seems like it worked. You know, you the company was doing great, still is doing great, mm-hmm. but it, uh, you ended up finding a strategic partner and an exit. Could you talk a little bit about what that is and how it kind of came together, especially, you know, a company that call it like a year, year and a half, you really built it up and got it to that point. Yeah, absolutely. So what we figured out pretty quickly, and again, this was a big reason or big reason because of COVID was there's so many point solutions that entered the market. And so for us to execute on our vision, which is creating a better care model, a better holistic end-to-end way of tackling these conditions in a digital health world, we needed more resources, we need more tools, we need more capabilities that we didn't necessarily have. And so, you know, we found Recuro when we were talking to some of these health systems and we were talking to a group that was focused on bringing different types of care models into the rural health space. And so as we were having these discussions around, you know, a better, more flexible care model, more efficient care, all these things that needed to happen on um, these different rural health populations, our main point of contact said, you know, we've got a lot of opportunity to use this platform here, but we should really introduce you to this new group that's spinning up a more holistic solution. And your platform would actually be perfect for them. So let's talk to them. And so we weren't looking for an exit in any means. We were doing well. We were really enjoying what we were doing. Um, But as part of Rikiro, Rikiro is started by the original Teladoc founders. And so their vision was perfectly aligned to our vision, which was saying, there's so many point solutions out there. There's so many kind of one-off care solutions that we need to enable a full platform with all the solutions and suite of services that these health systems and payers and providers are looking for to actually drive down medical costs and improve convenience. And so as we had these discussions with Rukiro, it became clear that they would be able to bring things like lab. We didn't have at-home lab testing. We were looking for you know, a better way of doing risk stratification and intake. They were acquiring Cleveland Clinic's genetic, or sorry, genomic asset around that. And so really what became clear is that we could take our platform, which was built cleanly, it was flexible, it was interoperable, it was enabling these better care experiences, plug in Recuro's, you know, other assets that they're built, and we could really power and accelerate what we were trying to do with a bigger group. And so you know, yes, it was an exit that we've sold this company, but also at the same time, what's happened is our platform and our team is helping to power a lot of what Recuro is doing at scale. And so it's a good way of just taking what we did, taking our vision and just accelerating that execution. Because again, we are one company based out of Minneapolis. Recuro has very big names. It has a big backing. It has a big group that's able to do this at scale. And so it's really exciting to be part of something bigger like that. That's actually, you know, able to move the needle even faster in healthcare. Yeah. And it, it, it sounds like 
from the start, you, you had a vision in place, you knew where you wanted to get to. And so when the opportunity came, right, you saw that there was alignment, you knew it could be possible. It wasn't a, an afterthought. It was how can you deliver on the vision that you have? And the partnership allows that much faster than maybe you'd be able to do it if it was just a solo mission. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And I think too, you know, there's some groups that try to exit just because they don't want to be in that business anymore. But we just saw it as a better opportunity to do what we set out to do in the beginning. And it's, it's fun to be part of a bigger group focusing on that. Very cool. So what um, what are you thinking about next as far as you can talk about it, of course? Yeah. So as part of Recuro, we're really focused on bringing a lot of these different assets together And what we've been able to do is pull these tools together in a really, uh, I guess, a different and innovative way to create products that don't really exist in the market right now. And so I'll give some examples that are, you know, probably familiar to people. So things like behavioral health, behavioral health, there's a lot of solutions out there focused on counseling or video care. What we're able to do is we're able to take in psychiatrists and counselors, build our platform in such a way that you can match based on severity of conditions, patient preference for different clinicians. We can pull in risk stratification and epigenetics tied to you know, better targeting of medications through our protocols, and then match it to our national network. And then we also have lab that we can add lab into these sort of things. And so now you're using digital health, not just for one-off video visits, you're using for the whole care journey of someone who's struggling with behavioral health or mental health issues. And so being able to pull these things together and then go to these major payers and these major health systems and have a one-stop shop solution for all these sort of things is really huge. And so that's a lot of what we're focusing on because we're really interested in, again, not just reactive medicine, but how can you enable the front end data collection, risk stratification tool, genetic profiling, all the stuff to create these personalized care pathways. And so as we evolve this model, it's really moving care from reactive medicine to proactive engagement that's holistic and can actually drive down costs and improve outcomes while keeping customer experience strong. And so that's really the genesis and the the philosophy behind a lot of what we're doing next. Oh, I love that. And that it, it's a vision that I think in, in my career around healthcare, where we've wanted to go, and it seems like more and more we're getting to the point where it's actually it's possible. The integrations are there, the technologies are there, the will and the reimbursement and the policy is there. But it's got to be put together, as you said, right? If we you can't just pave the cow path and expect to get to a better outcome. Mm-hmm. As we're coming to the the last few minutes here, I want to shift a little bit and ask. You know, so you're an entrepreneur. You built the company here in the Twin Cities, but in a virtual environment, being able to tap the global talent pool. While the region's well known for long history and health innovation in building a lot of the systems we have today, I'm I'm curious for your take. What was your experience like being an innovator, being a startup here, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly of it? And where are some areas that maybe we as a community should be thinking about how we better support the next SUP doc that comes out? Yeah. So it was a definitely a challenging experience for a lot of reasons, because, again, it was a pandemic. There was a lot of things going on. A lot of people were trying to figure out how to handle COVID, how to handle digital health. 
And so we got lost a little bit in the noise of all of that. And I think what's also the good and bad about Medical Alley, just as not your organization, but as the group of companies that are around here, is there are a lot of people doing a lot of different things. Mm. And so sometimes it's really difficult to stand out in this market because how many times does Fearview get you know, asked to talk to some entrepreneur? How many times does United? And so it doesn't necessarily always feel like there's a very good channel for not just meeting with these groups, but also hitting them at the right place in the right time. Because just because we reach out, and Frank, you were fantastic about coordinating a lot of introductions, but you can do all you want from a coordination standpoint. That doesn't mean that they're actually going to sit down and talk with us or mm-hmm. take a chance on piloting in a certain market. And so the good of it is there's so much healthcare and there's so much focus and there's so much energy in this market. I think the bad part of it is sometimes those channels of getting in with those bigger companies or convincing those bigger companies to pay attention to the right tools or things that they would find useful is just challenging to get on their radar. Mm-hmm. It's a really good take. We've heard the challenge of connecting with the large partners quite often, but that the way you outlined it there of there is so much activity that even if the connection is made, that doesn't mean the follow through will be there. Mm-hmm. And breaking through the noise, which maybe is the theme of this discussion, is a, a reoccurring issue. That I, I appreciate that. Well, we're, we're coming up and we're at time for this. It was a fantastic discussion. And I think you know, what's happened in the last year with healthcare just in general is probably stuff we'll be studying for the next 20 years. And I, I feel pretty confident in saying that the work that you and the SUPDOC team have done will be a big part of that. So, Michael, thank you so much for spending a bit of time with us. Yeah, no, thank you, Frank. And thank you for all your help as we uh, we navigated this ecosystem and this journey. Medical Alley was a big part of this. And yes, there's there's a lot of room to grow in this space, but it's been it's been really exciting connecting with the right people. And you and Medical Alley was definitely one of them. So we appreciate ah, that. Thank you. Appreciate it. And that, folks, is the Medical Alley podcast. Thank you for joining us again today. Make sure to subscribe and view them at medicalalleypodcast.org and on all your favorite places to find podcasts. Have a great day.